Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me wanna shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. And On the Block is on the Baby, not only live on your radio today, but we are live at the Press Room Pub in downtown Syracuse. It's nice to get out of my cage once in a while. It's nice to see the world, see people doing things, having some adult beverages, having a good time, and hanging at a spot that you should hang with us here this afternoon and hanging at a spot that you can hang tomorrow before Syracuse takes on North Carolina. The Dino Baber Show is here every Thursday night, anytime you can get down to the press room pump is a great time, and we are going to be here for the next couple of hours. Great to be with you on this football Friday here. If you're listening on the radio, that is spectacular. If you're listening on the ESPN app, just find that app, find the Listen tab, find ESPN Syracuse, and you can take us with you wherever you go, including right here to the press room pub in downtown Syracuse. If you are listening uh, maybe sometime in the future on our podcast. Don't forget we've got a podcast that we do. We take this show, put it in podcast form on iTunes and Google Play, so subscribe to that. However, you're taking in the show today. Great to have you along for the ride here today. Here's how you get in touch with us, 437-7644. Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media on Twitter, or the On the Block text line is 288-0644. So all the usual football Friday activities as you dream of a billion dollars with a B. That's right. The Mega Millions jackpot is now $1 billion. So while you dream of what you will do with your $1 billion, you can talk some football with us today, the usual festivities. I'm white hot on Survivor Pick Payoff. That's not good news for you guys. I have not had to do anything stupid on this radio show, eat anything I don't want to eat, or you know anything that you have proposed because I have won four in a row of survivor pick payoff can i make it five today the nfl blitz coming up later on in the program will cover every game of the national football league it's the fastest 10 minutes in radio because you need to know for entertainment purposes only of course what you need to know for week seven here we are week seven of the national football league full preview coverage of syracuse north carolina we will do hot takes as usual which is presented by the press room pub where we sit right here right now but ladies and gentlemen boys and girls who's who's having a great friday i don't need a billion dollars to have a great friday i got a billion dollar smile right now you know why because well as heard last night right here on espn radio syracuse john shambi on the call a little something happened in the american league championship series Kimbrough fires. Swing and a fly ball. Left field. Benintendi back. Back some more. Near the wall. Reaches out. And he's got it. And it is over. The Boston Red Sox have won the pennant. 
That's the great Boog Shambi on the call on ESPN Radio. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, your Boston Red Sox are in the World Series once again. And it is fascinating, you know, how this game went, who they beat, how they beat them, some things that haven't even happened yet. I mean, I hate to say it, but I don't even think this Red Sox team has peaked yet. I don't even think this Red Sox team has played anywhere near as good as they can. And they just beat the defending World Series champion Houston Astros, a team that, you know, given some of these trends and some stats we'll go over, should have swept the Red Sox out of this thing, or they should have won in five. But here they are. But it really comes down to this. Okay, look, the Red Sox are now the evil empire. The Red Sox are now, I used to make this joke with Yankee fans, and the Red Sox are now in this category. It used to be, people ask me this all the time, by the way. You know, I post on social media, talk on this radio program, wherever it shall be, and I always inevitably get that person that's like, why do you root for the Red Sox? You're from Syracuse. You're from New York. And they always ask that question, like, did you grow up in Massachusetts? Is there some kind of tie to rooting for the Red Sox? And I'm like, no, I just, I'm a contrarian, you know? Everybody around here was a Yankees fan. My dad was kind of a Red Sox fan, and I kind of got into it that way. When I was a kid, I rooted for the Mets. You know, the 86 Mets, Daryl Strawberry, Dwight Gooden, the whole crew. I could probably name that whole starting lineup for you to give me the rest of the day. But I started to drift away from baseball after that, and, you know, there was kind of a gap there where I, you know, I got more into other sports, got more into lacrosse, got more into other things. But when I kind of got back into baseball... I became a Red Sox fan for a lot of different reasons. Namely, everybody else was a Yankees fan. So I just kind of felt like I'm going to go in a different direction. So I always get that question. And what I used to say to Yankee fans before the Red Sox made their fourth, count it, fourth World Series now since 2004, what I used to always say to you, the Yankee fans out there, is rooting for the Yankees is like rooting for the sun to rise. It's like rooting for Walmart. It's like rooting for the house when you're in a casino. Like, what's the point? Well, you know, don't look now, but the Red Sox have kind of become that team. And you get to four World Series in that time frame. It's not like the Red Sox weren't getting there before. I mean, the curse of the Bambino thing, perhaps you've heard about it, and, you know, all the epic failures they had on a huge stage, including one from Aaron Bleep and Boone, as we all know, in 2003. But what the Red Sox have now done and it's amazing how they've done it. And it's not to say the Astros haven't done it their way, and that's the only way. The Cubs did it one way, and that's the only way. Like Everybody has a different path there, especially in baseball today. But it is amazing to see how the Red Sox have done this again because it's a whole different cast of characters. The one consistency there, of course, is ownership. And John Henry and, you know, at one point Larry Lucchino, who's now kind of out of it. But, you know, the ownership structure has been the same. The methods of revenue that they have brought in and buying in to soccer teams and Europe and, and NASCAR and all sorts of other things that inevitably helped the Red Sox get there. But, you know, Theo Epstein built that first run of teams and then went to the Cubs. And there's been three general managers since then, right up to who the Red Sox have now and Dave Dombrowski, who's been around baseball. He's an experienced guy, but never quite had the resources he has now to build what could be another World Series champion. The managers have come and gone, right? It was Tito, and then it was, you know, before that, you know, Bobby Valentine didn't get to ride this wave of success. If anything, Bobby Valentine kind of set up what this Red Sox team is doing now, but it was Tito, 
and then you had John Farrell, and now you have, in his first year as a manager, Alex Cora. The players have changed, right? The David Ortiz, Pedro Martinez, Manny Ramirez era kind of drifted into the Dustin Pedroia era, which has now drifted into what we see now with Mookie Betts. And J.D. Martinez added to the lineup just this year. And a starting pitching staff that seems to change every year. And that's just what's amazing about big picture-wise, what this Red Sox organization looks like. But let's pare it down to how they won this game and won this series. Because if you're going to tell me, okay, if you arrive in your flying DeLorean with Doc Brown, you have come from the future, and you are telling me the following things. That Chris Sale only pitched four innings. That Craig Kimbrell has been shaky, and that continued into the postseason. That J.D. Martinez only had one big hit in pretty much in the entire American League Championship Series. That the MVP of the Red Sox was Jackie Bradley Jr., who for a big part of the season couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. In a number, and some of the decisions Alex Cora has made, that Nathan Avaldi had to come in and pitch out of the bullpen, that Rick Porcello had to come in and pitch out of the bullpen. If you're just listing these things, and I don't know the result of this, I'm going to look at you like you've got lobsters crawling out of your ears. And I'm going to say they, they beat the Houston Astros that way. Did you watch the Astros this year? Did you watch them win the World Series? Like, Have you seen that team and the machine that they are? You're telling me that the Red Sox got through Bregman, Springer, Altuve, Correa, and that lineup that way, I would have thought you were nuts. But that is sports, my friends. See, look, when the Red Sox won 108 games and set the standard, like I said, it's become like rooting for the sun to rise. But the last three years, the team that has won the most games in the regular season has advanced to the World Series. It was the Cubs in 2016, it was the Dodgers a year ago, and now it's the Boston Red Sox. So when you are that good, you have been that consistent, and you, know, you can argue about some of the wins that they gobbled up over bad teams in their division, and you know we can go through the semantics of it, but they won 108 baseball games this year with a mixture of what you've got to do in baseball these days, which is have the power hitters, have starting pitching, have a little bit of a lineup that can move runners, great defense, one of the best defensive outfields I've ever seen, and they have had to use all of it. Mookie Betts had to make another great catch last night, which was fantastic, watching all the fans in right field like throw their hands up like, don't touch me, like he's got you know a contagious disease. To see Andrew Benatendi save game four and make the catch that ends game five last night. And that's not to leave Jackie Bradley Jr. out of the conversation, who not only was the MVP of that series offensively, but is clearly one of the best defensive outfielders in baseball. So the Red Sox still have a baseball team. They don't just have a bunch of mashers. It's not just one of these, you've got a whole bunch of power hitters and you're just going to score eight runs a game and, and get your way there by those means, which they do have. I and mean, the Red Sox can score eight runs just by showing up. Well, last night they had to battle a little bit. And in game four they had to battle a little bit. And they had to overcome some things, some of which I mentioned and others which I didn't. So sometimes really good teams are really good teams because that team spent the most money, which the Red Sox have done. And they are the evil empire now. And they are, you know, they're Amazon. Like, nobody roots for Amazon. But to see David Price, I'm burying the lead here, kids. David Price against Justin Verlander? And you're telling me that David Price goes out 
and goes six innings, no earned runs, nine strikeouts, which is a Red Sox postseason record in a single game, doesn't walk a batter. Not that Verlander was that much worse. He just gave up four runs. He just gave up a big hit. But only had four strikeouts, two walks. Wasn't quite the dominant Justin Verlander. I mean, you want to talk about the ultimate Lloyd Christmas went and totally redeemed himself. David Price was a pariah. David Price was, he groaned when David Price was taking the hill. And, and that's not just from, you know, previous postseasons. It was from this one, the game against the Yankees. And just, you don't have exactly the let's shut it down kind of confidence when David Price is up there. But he had it last night, that inside fastball, and he did his job. I mean, this is a guy who, we'll see what happens in the World Series, but you need these kind of performances to get you there. And I would not have him on my list of people that could do it. Craig Kimbrell does not care about my blood pressure. Alex Cora does not care about my blood pressure. And the fact that Nathan Evaldi is cruising they went to him in the seventh he's cruising in the eighth and you just know it's coming you know that cora is going to put craig kimbrough out there and every red sox fan on the planet and even if you're not a if you you don't even have to be a red sox fan for craig kimbrough to make you nervous these days and he's got the hand up and he's sweating and he's throwing all over the place no not last night not last night shut it down that was just a flawless game by Alex Cora. Flawless. And I thought I'd be sitting here on this radio show today saying, you were flawless until you put in Craig Kimbrell out of some kind of weird devotion. But you know what? Alex Cora wrote it out with Jackie Bradley Jr. And he wrote it out with David Price. And he wrote it out with Craig Kimbrell. Like, he knows this team. He's not afraid to make lineup changes when he needs to, putting Brock Holt in the starting lineup, switching the catchers when he needs to. Cora can do no wrong right now. He is the manager of the year in baseball. He is somebody that I, I just want to go through every decision he's made this year, and I'm going to get like an 80% success rate. He is the ultimate mix of gut feeling, knowing your team, and being an analytics guy. Why did Alex Cora get hired by the Red Sox? Why did Aaron Boone get hired by the Yankees? And you can name me a few other managers in baseball. But Cora right now is the ultimate mix of, yep, know the numbers, know the trends, know to put it in this right-handed hitter against this pitcher in this spot, and everything that a baseball manager's got to know. But he also has a gut feeling, and he rides that gut. And even though Nathan Evaldi is cruising, and you would have plenty of rest for him to go pitch that ninth and pitch game, uh, what he'd probably pitch game three of the World Series. You'd have plenty of time to rest him up and have him ready for that. He puts out Kimbrel, and it worked. Every button he pushed worked, and here we are, and the Red Sox are back, which they should be. They have one of the highest payrolls in the history of baseball. They won 108 games. They have a lineup that is tailored to win in this day and age, but, you know, as the expression goes, that's baseball, Susan. Sometimes you build a team that's designed to do just this, but the baseball postseason is weird. Teams get hot. Teams come out of nowhere. You only need to win 11 games to take this thing. And if you get into that postseason, you can find a way there. We have seen weirder things happen. So now the Red Sox await either the Dodgers or the Brewers, and game six of that series is tonight. I think, you know, Red Sox-Dodgers would be epic. 
But I think no matter which National League team gets there, it's not going to matter. And I'm not just saying that as a Red Sox fan, not a Yankees fan, born and bred in central New York. Did you miss that sign when you're coming up Route 81? Welcome to Syracuse. You must root for the following teams. Well, I went against that, and I didn't get caught, and I've been rooting for the Red Sox ever since. So more on that for sure. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the Sox, on the American League Championship Series. I know, I know I got a lot of Red Sox nation out there in central New York singing Sweet Caroline or Dirty Water, whatever you prefer. Syracuse, North Carolina we'll get into. We've got some hot takes to come presented by the Press Room Pub where we are sitting right now doing this radio program and great to be here on a Friday. We're going to be here pretty much one Friday a month for the next few months. Looking forward to coming out and hanging with some people and having some adult beverages and doing the thing. So that's where we are today. The NFL Blitz, the Pick 6, and so much more to come. Let's go to the phones right now and talk to my man Lee Baldwin. He's got some diamonds. He's got some dogs. Now, Lee, uh, we talked to Mike yesterday, and he said the uh, the market was kind of looking like the Astros against uh, David Price last night. How, how is it looking today? Uh, we're looking a little better, a little mixed today, a little better, so I can come on the radio. I'm not afraid, you know. So uh. <laughs> You had to break up the karma a little bit yesterday. So you had Mike the it. Giants fan on there. You know, he was one of Primetime's favorites. So, oh, uh, fantastic. Back in the day. So uh, anyway, I'll be quick. A lot of sports going on, aren't there? So uh, Oh, big time. Uh, but stocks were mixed today, as I said. Uh, we did have a diamond, which goes to PayPal. They rallied almost 10% after a, or they really blew out earnings, uh, they reported this morning. Our dog of the day goes to AMD as the uh, microprocessor fell 11% after an analyst downgrade. And that's what I have for you. I wish everybody a great weekend. A lot of sports. Lee, have yourself a terrific weekend. We'll talk again on Monday, and uh, you mentioned it, Lee. Thank you, sir. That's Lee Baldwin from Lee Baldwin & Company. You can find him at LeeBaldwin.com. You can find him in Kaz and Utica. Stop on in and get all those diamonds to help your portfolio. All four major sports played last night. That's a rare thing when all four major professional sports, the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, and Major League Baseball have a game that matters. Not a preseason game, not a draft, not some of these other things when they cross paths. All four games last night from all four sports. The Thursday night game was a joke. I didn't even tune into that game, to be honest with you, not only because it was a, it was a joke and I was following on Twitter, but I'm superstitious. I can't change the channel when I'm watching the Red Sox. And clearly it worked, of course. That's, a, that's how they won that game. So as you said, Lee, a ton to talk about, and we're going to get into Syracuse and North Carolina next. What kind of game is this? Every game tells a different story, right? Well, what kind of game do the Orange have ahead of them? We'll talk about it next. You're on the block, live from the Press Room Pub on ESPN Radio Syracuse. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. We are live today from the Press Room Pub, downtown Syracuse. Great spot to come hang after work tonight. Great spot to hang tomorrow for our pregame show leading into Syracuse, North Carolina. Great spot to hang anytime. The beer's cold. The food's great. We've got uh, all kinds of big TVs to watch the game, big bar to hang out, lots of room and great tables to hang out. It is one of the great new spots in downtown Syracuse, and we're going to be here tonight. We're going to be here pretty much once a month over the next few months, hanging on Fridays, doing our Friday football show, so we're excited about that. Speaking of which, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is time. We have arrived. It's the fastest 10 minutes in radio. It's to get you ready for everything that's happening. And week seven, here we are. Let's do this. Week seven. In the National Football League, Tennessee and the Chargers 
from Wembley Stadium in London. Hello, Gobna. It's going to be 65 and sunny in London for this game. The Chargers are minus 6.5. The over-under is 45 in this game. Tennessee sitting at 3-3 three and three overall and against the spread so far this season. Coming off that 21-0 loss to Baltimore a week ago. The Chargers are 4-2, and two, but 3-3 three and three against the spread. Hammering Cleveland a week ago, 38-14. The Chargers have played in London before. It was about 10 years ago, losing a five-point game in New Orleans. Tennessee has scored just 44 points over their last four games. I did the math. That's 11 points per game. Not good. Melvin Gordon, what a season he's having. Third in the National Football League in rushing. Fourth among running backs in receiving as well. He has nine total touchdowns. You're loving him on your fantasy team. Derek Morgan, Will Compton out. Kenny Vaccaro is questionable. Joey Bosa is out. Travis Benjen- Benjamin is questionable for this game. The Buffalo Bills with mighty Derek Anderson at the helm. Visit Indianapolis inside with the Colts, a seven and a half point favorite. The over-under is 43 and a half. The Bills are two and four, but three and three against the spread. The Colts, yikes, one and five, two and four against the spread and have not won a home game yet this season. The Bills have the worst passing offense in the National Football League. They're averaging 123 yards per game. So you know who's going to save the day? You know who's going to come in and revive this Bills offense? Derek Anderson, who's been on his couch until two weeks ago. Let's hear how Derek Anderson is going to save the Buffalo Bills. Things that happen in this game never amaze me. Just kind of got to be ready at, uh, at all times. And I was fully aware of what I was getting myself into uh, coming here. Obviously not ideal, but, you know, we're going to do what we can. Derek Anderson, size 17 shoe, true story. Andrew Luck is averaging 48 pass attempts per game. It's 186 for 288. Just over 1,700 yards, 16 touchdowns, eight picks on the year. He has not been the problem for the Colts. The problem for the Colts is they don't have anything else. We know that Josh Allen and Taiwan Jones are out of this game. For the Colts, Robert Turbin, Clayton Gathers, Jack Doyle, Ryan Grant are all out. Cleveland's at Tampa Bay. It's going to be 85 and sunny at Raymond James Field in Tampa Bay. The Bucks are minus 3.5 with an over-under of 50. Cleveland, 2-3-1. and one. They're 0-2 on the road, but they're 4-2 and two against the spread. Tampa Bay is 2-3. and three. Split at home, 2-3 and three against the spread so far this season. These two teams last played four years ago. Cleveland winning that game, 22-17. Baker Mayfield's cooled off the past couple of weeks. 22-46, 238 yards, a touchdown to two picks last week against the Chargers. Tampa Bay is second in the NFL in total offense. Whatever happened to Ryan Fitzmagic? Anybody seen him lately? Jameis Winston back at the helm, and they're averaging 448 yards per game. E.J. Gaines, Rashard Higgins are out. Gerald McCoy and Vinnie Curry also out of this game. Detroit's at Miami. It's going to be 90 and sunny at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Detroit is minus three with an over-under of 46 and a half. The Lions are two and three. They're 0-2 on the road. They're four and one, though, against the spread this season. They had a bye a week ago. They get Miami who's 4-2, they're 3-0 at home, they're 4-2 against the spread, and just squeaked out a win over the Bears last week. Detroit has won after their bye week five of the last six seasons. The mighty Brock Osweiler, 7'7", Brock Osweiler, that might be off a little bit, 28-44, 380 yards, three touchdowns, two picks in his first start of the season a week ago against Chicago. Andy Jones, Theo Riddick, Henshaw questionable. Ryan Tannehill, as we know, is out. Cameron Wake, Bobby McCain, Devontae Parker, all questionable in this game. Carolina's at Philly. 
It'll be 50 but sunny at Lincoln Financial Field. The Eagles are minus four and a half. The over-under is 45. Carolina's three and two. They're 0-2 on the road. They're 2-3 against the spread, losing to the Washington Redskins last week. Philly certainly not having a defending Super Bowl champion-like season that they wanted. 3-3. They're 2-1 at home. They're 2-4 against the spread, but beat the New York football Giants last week. Will that turn around the Eagles' season? Philadelphia beat Carolina last year, a five-point win at Carolina on October the 12th. How are the Panthers doing it? They've got the fourth best rushing offense in the NFL at 139 yards per game. Philadelphia, second best run defense though in the league, allowing just 80 yards per game. Andre Smith is out. Darren Sproles, Corey Graham, Sidney Jones are out. Haloti Nada is questionable in this game. New England at the Bears. Chicago, 49 and sunny at Soldier Field. The uh, Patriots minus three with an over-under of 49. New England's four and two, have not won on the road, and three and three against the spread, coming off that huge win over Kansas City on Sunday night football. We mentioned Chicago losing in overtime to Miami last week. They're three and two overall. They're three and two against the spread, and they're two and oh at home so far this season. However, The Bears have not beaten New England since 2000. New England has won four straight against the Bears most recently four years ago in October of 2014, and a big win it was, 51-23 over the Bears. The Patriots are fourth in the NFL in scoring offense at 32 points per game. Chicago, that vaunted defense, Khalil Mack and company, fourth in the NFL in points allowed. Just 19 points per game. Long injury list here. Sony Michelle, Rob Gronkowski, Julian Edelman, Marcus Cannon, Josh Gordon, all listed as questionable for New England. Khalil Mack banged up for the Bears, as is Allen Robinson. And Marcus Cooper Sr., he is questionable. Houston's at Jacksonville. It'll be 74 and sunny at TIAA Bank Field in Jacksonville. The Jags minus 4.5 and, and over under a 41.5. They just traded for Carlos Hyde today from the Cleveland Browns. Houston's 3-3, three three, but they're 1-5 against the spread this season. It was nuts that they made that team a 10-point favorite over the Bills last week, and of course, they didn't cover that one. Jacksonville's 3-3. Three three. They're also 3-3 three three against the spread, and they're hurting. They lost to Dallas last week, 40-7. Jacksonville has swept the season series a year ago, winning both games convincingly and holding the Houston Texans to just 14 points a year ago. Houston allows the most quarterback hits in the league 65 so far the next highest is 50 and that's arizona who's played seven games already jacksonville second in the league in yards allowed at 300 yards per game cody hopkins joseph fulton fuller are questionable campbell hayden and leonard fournette are out for jacksonville hence the trade for carlos Hyde today minnesota visits the jets 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 it's going to be 49 and sunny at MetLife Stadium. Minnesota's minus three and a half with an over-under of 46. The Vikings are three, two, and one. They've split on the road, one, one, and one. They're three, two, and one against the spread, coming off a 10-point win over Arizona last week. The Jets, three and three. They're two and one at home. They're three and three against the spread. They're coming off that shootout win over the Colts a week ago. These two teams last played in December of 2014, an overtime win for the Vikings. Thielen leading... The NFL, 712 receiving yards, or leading the AFC, pardon me, with 712 receiving yards. Sam Darnold a week ago, 24 of 30, 280 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. 
He knows how good this Vikings defense is. He knows he's need, he needs to be ready to face this team come Sunday. Let's hear from Sam Darnold. I think they're they're obviously a really good defense, you know, top defense in the league. So um, just got to study, uh, maybe spend some extra hours in here and, and uh, look at them that way. Griffin and Dalvin Cook are out. Tremaine Johnson, Isaiah Crowell, and Terrell Pryor out doubtful in this game. New Orleans at Baltimore. Good one here. M&T Bank Stadium is going to be 54 and sunny in Baltimore with the Ravens. Minus 2.5. The over-under is 49.5. The Saints are 4-1. and one. They're 2-0 and oh on the road. They're 3-2 and two against the spread, and they're coming off a bye. Baltimore is 4-2. and two. They have not lost at home this year, 2-0. They're 4-2 against the spread. They're coming off a 21-0 win at Tennessee. Drew Brees is 0-4 against the Baltimore Ravens. And how about this? The only team in the entire National Football League that Drew Brees has not beaten, now you've got it, the Baltimore Ravens. He beats this team. He's got everybody on the checklist. New Orleans, New Orleans obviously riding that offense high. Third-best offense in the NFL at 424 yards per game. Baltimore... The number one defense in the NFL, allowing just 270 yards per game. Classic offense versus defense clash here. Taylor Stallworth, Andres Pete are questionable. Alex Lewis and Anthony Everett are questionable as well. Dallas at Washington at FedEx Field. 55 and sunny for this one. The Skins just a one-point favorite. The over-under is 41.5. The Cowboys are 3-3. Three three. They have not won on the road 0-3. They're 3-3 three three against the spread, but coming off that high, that win over Jacksonville a week ago, the Redskins, 3-2, 2-1 home, 3-2 against the spread, beating Carolina a week ago. Dallas has won the last four games over the past two seasons in this rivalry. The Cowboys 29th in the NFL in offense. Washington is 5th in the NFL in defense. Jason Garrett lives to coach another week, maybe another two, but sits squarely on the hot seat at this point. Tavon Austin is out. Joe Thomas is questionable. Stacy McGee, Jamison Crowder are out. Chris Thompson and Adrian Peterson are questionable in this game. The LA Rams visit San Francisco. It's going to be 63 and sunny at Levi's Field with the Rams minus 9.5. The over-under 52. The Rams 6-0. and 3-0 on the road, but just 3-3 three and three against the spread this year. Keep that in mind. San Francisco... All downhill since Jimmy Garoppolo went down. One and five. They're one and one at home. They're two and four against the spread. Three-point loss to Green Bay Monday night football last week. These two split the season series a year ago. Both teams winning on the road. The Rams lead the NFL in yards per game and points per game. Todd Gurley's coming off a 208-yard game. This is Sean McVay talking about how he plans to use Gurley going forward. He's a special player, and for him to be able to play the way that he has, you know, he kind of gets stronger as the game keeps going. We're six games into a 16-game season, um, so so he's him getting stronger as the season progresses is something we talk about, and that's predicated on a lot of things, but most importantly, his feedback that he gives to us. San Francisco is 0-3 with C.J. Beathard as their starting quarterback. Cooper Cup is out. Michael Brockers is questionable. Jimmy Ward, doubtful. Pierre Garçon and George Kittle are questionable. Oh, baby, here we go. Cincinnati, Kansas City, Arrowhead Stadium, Sunday night football. Going to be 58 and sunny as the sun goes down. Sunday night as Kansas City sits here as a minus 5.5 point favorite with the over-under. Listen to this over-under. For an NFL regular season game, 58 and a half. Big, big number there. Cincinnati's 4-2. They're 2-1 on the road. They're 4-1 against the spread this season, but lost to Pittsburgh a week ago, 28-21. We know Kansas City 
5-1, and 2-0 and oh at home. How about the Kansas City Chiefs? Have covered every game this season. They are 6-0 and oh against the spread, but lost to New England 43-40 in that amazing Sunday night game a week ago. Back in primetime here against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Chiefs, second in the NFL in points per game. That's 35 points per game. Patrick, my homes, your homes, everybody's home. Cincinnati's 29th in total defense. They're giving up 400 yards per game. How will Cincinnati stop the Kansas City Chiefs in this game? Your guess is as good as mine. Bengals can score, but can they score enough against Kansas City? Take the over in that game for sure. Nick Vigil is doubtful. Giovanni Bernard is questionable. Eric Berry still out for Kansas City in this game. Bernard, I should mention, is out as well. Giants at Atlanta. Mercedes-Benz Field indoors. Atlanta's minus four. The over-under is 54. The Giants, as we know, one and five and fading out of any relevance in 2018. They're one and two on the road. They're two and four against the spread. Losing to the Eagles last week. Atlanta's two and four. They're two and two at home. They're two and four against the spread. Saquon Barkley, the only shining light for the Giants this year, over 100 scrimmage yards plus in his first six NFL games. You got Jones at 707 receiving yards, the most in NFL history without a touchdown. Can we get this guy a score? Nate Solder, Olivier Vernon, Russell, uh, Russell Shepard are questionable. Mohamed Sanu, Calvin Ridley, Grady Jarrett, Derek Shelby, questionable Matt Bryant is out. That is week seven. That is the NFL Blitz. We'll come back. I'll give you my pick six. And this week's Survivor Pick Payoff, you're on the block ESPN Radio.